As Americans continue to forsake the Christian roots that built and sustained our democratic republic and foray into the perceived greener pastures of a more socialist society, we have to ask, will a socialist America or a globalist America offer our kids a better life than the society we inherited from our parents? You know, ours is the country people from other countries are trying to get to, both legally and illegally. Why would it be that if it's such a terrible place, they're trying to do this? A look at how parents and the church can recognize and avoid manipulation by those who want us to hate America and accept the narrative of an historically failed form of government and how we teach our kids to do likewise. That's today on License to Parent. Well, welcome, and thanks for tuning in once again to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with troubled teens. I'm Rich Rosel, and joining me on the program, as always, is our host, the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill, and his name is Trace Embry. Trace, glad to be back with you today, and you know, there's... There's a whole lot to be said about a globalist agenda to make America just another plot of land that's ruled and controlled by an elite few, uh, basically part of a one-world system of government. And the name George Soros keeps popping up in the midst of that discussion. Why do you think our kids need to know who George Soros is and what he's up to regarding American sovereignty? Yeah, well, I think anytime one man has so much power to uh, wield in, in doing what he's already allegedly done, uh, that ought to be answer enough. But I'll leave that question up to today's guest to answer. Uh, I think said about letting our kids in on what Paul Harvey used to say is the rest of the story. And I know from working with kids that you know they don't like to be unjustly controlled, conned, or otherwise manipulated. Not by their government, their teachers, bosses, coaches, not even by their own parents, and certainly not by foreign billionaires. But being controlled, conned, and otherwise manipulated is exactly what's been happening to our kids these days through lies, revisionist history, and, and, and the lure of free stuff, including free college and free health care, among other things. But our kids aren't the only victims here. It's a lot of adults, too, and, I, and I'm talking highly educated adults. I don't know if it's the result of too many drugs in the 60s, if it's control and authority issues. Uh, maybe they didn't get enough hugs uh, from their mothers or too many hugs, the wrong kind of hugs. Who knows? Or maybe they, they're just simply what the Bible would call fools. And we know that there's no fool like the educated fool, right? Whatever the case, I thought that this was a pertinent uh, parenting topic, and I'm anxious to talk to uh, today's guest about it. Well, let me introduce uh, today's guest. Dr. Frank Wright came into focus for me primarily during his more than 10 years of service as president and CEO of the National Religious Broadcasters. He's also acted as the president and chief operating officer of Salem Communications Corporation and uh, then joined Dr. D. James Kennedy's ministry, Coral Ridge Ministries, as its president and CEO in 2015. Now, Dr. Wright's organization has produced a documentary that we wanted to discuss. It's one that they say exposes the architecture of the left, the well-heeled foundations that make the grants, activist groups that do the work that includes Catholic, Protestant, and evangelical organizations, and politicized media who amplify the message. And that's all part of what we're going to be talking about today, Trace. Well, Dr. Wright, welcome back to License to Parent. Uh, Trace and Rich, it's great to be back with you. This is an important topic. It absolutely is a parenting topic because you can no longer trust the school system 
that you, uh, if, if you don't homeschool and you send your kids to the public schools, mm, or even after homeschool, you send them off to a public university, you can no longer trust that to be an unbiased uh, presentation of American history. In fact, you can trust it to be not only revisionist, but deliberately distorting to advance other ends and censoring the historic message that uh, scholars and historians have agreed upon regarding America's Christian roots and the Christian foundations of our form of government. And all of these things are up for grab these days. Yeah. Well, can you tell us a little about this documentary uh, about George Soros uh, and why it's so important for every parent in America to know what one man out of 7 billion other guys on the planet, what this guy's up to? Well, uh, Winston Churchill once said, speaking about uh, Russia, that it was a riddle wrapped up in a mystery inside an enigma. And that's a pretty good description of George Soros. Many people have heard the name, and but most people have no idea who he is, what he believes, and what he hopes to accomplish using his billions of dollars that he's accumulated over the years. First, George... Well, where do he get these billions of dollars? What's he do? Where do he get these billions of dollars? Well, he, he, um, it, it's an interesting story in that he left, he fled the encroaching communist movement in Hungary at the end of World War II. He did not want to live under communism. He fled to the West, first to the United Kingdom and then to the United States. He is a, um, a market trader. He is someone who bets on the direction of the markets in major ways. He is a currency speculator. He is known for one of the few people that's ever broken, literally broken the currency of another nation. In this case, it was the British pound by betting so heavily against it that uh, the Brits had to pump billions of dollars back into their system to compensate for the lost uh, destruction of wealth. So he has used the free enterprise system to accomplish his uh, financial gains, but would like to deny that very system to the rest of us, it seems. And, and why would that be? And what, what is his endgame here? Well, you, you do have to look at Soros a little bit from a historical perspective. He's Jewish by birth, but he denies God. He hates Israel. He lived, he was born in, uh, in 1930 in Hungary. So when World War II started, he was 11 and 12 years old. Uh, his family placed him with a Gentile family because of all the deportations to the camps that were happening among the Jews. And so his protector, his mentor, his godfather, so to speak, was a Gentile who went around with George's assistance confiscating all the Nazi property that were left behind when the Nazis deported the Jews. He was asked by Steve Croft on, on 60 Minutes uh, about that, he said, this is the kind of experience that a young man would have that would keep him on the psychiatrist's couch for years. Did you have any problem going off and confiscating the property of Jews and even identifying Jews for deportation, being a Jew yourself? And Sorrow said, not at all, mm. not at all. And so this is either the kind of talk that you hear from someone who's a pathologically disturbed individual or, by his own words, you're hearing the talk who sees himself as a form of God. 
Soros himself is an atheist. He says people like you and I have invented God, and yet he claims to be a God himself. He said once that when he was a young man, he fancied himself as some kind of a God. If truth be known, I'm quoting, I carried some rather potent messianic fantasies with me from childhood. He said it was a sort of disease when you consider yourself some kind of a God the creator of everything, but I feel comfortable about it now since I began to live it out. George Soros describes his personal goal, you're going to love this, as becoming the conscience of the world. This is the kind of megalomania that appeared in uh, Japan, in emperor worship, in Germany, in Hitler worship, and launched world wars. This is an individual who is either seriously disturbed or seeks to manipulate all these things to obtain more power for himself. I'm curious about one thing, though, and that is, you know, George Soros is, as Trace pointed out, one man among seven billion, and he's not in any elected capacity in our country, so why do we worry about what George Soros says or thinks? So in our investigation of George Soros, we uncovered a network of influence and flow of monies at which he is the head. He has a, uh, he's given over $32 billion of his wealth, to uh, much of it to his Open Society Foundation, all of which funds radical causes, causes like uh, no borders for immigration. Uh, you, know, you should be able to come into America, no border to stop you, immediately have the right to vote and immediately have the right to obtain uh, benefits from the country that you're in. George Soros is the classic globalist in that he does not believe there should be national borders anywhere that you should not have your identity as a citizen tied to a particular country, but to this global idea of humanity. So Soros, the reason he's so influential is he leads every other liberal foundation by the nose. When you see George Soros make a gift to Black Lives Matter, you see the Ford Foundation, the McClellan Foundation, the McKnight Foundation. The list goes on and on and on of all of these uh, interestingly, by the way, all of these foundations established by conservatives who over time were their boards were taken over by liberal progressives. If Henry Ford knew how his money was being used today, uh, we, what, how, how might we put that? He would be spinning in his grave like a camshaft on an old Ford engine. But Soros... <laughs> Soros leads a collection of like-minded individuals in funding every radical enterprise you can imagine. So we created a follow-the-money chart which shows how Soros' money and the money of his uh, other left-wing, hard-left, progressive uh, socialists uh, have influenced everything from the the state of universities today to uh, the, the, the recent election. You know, when when Donald Trump was elected in 2016, George Soros met with 80 of these like-minded individuals several days after the election, and he said, this election will not stand. If he lasts even to the next election, he will be destroyed then. Soros promised to, to steal the vote, promised to do everything in his power, 
And um, as we talk today, it looks like he may have well succeeded. Well, you know, when our kids tell us uh, that this is all just a conspiracy theory, uh, how should we as parents respond to our kids? What do kids know about anything? They have grown up in a school system that's kept them in the dark, right. spends no time on teaching them how to think critically, parses the information that they get from some sources, censors it from other sources. Kids are, kids that graduate from the public schools and universities of America are the most ignorant Americans in history. There's no doubt and, about that, but they don't know that. Well, they, well, they, they, or believe well, it. They don't know that, and the answer to them, the parental answer to them is, let's look at the empirical evidence, which is why we did this research project. We didn't just go out and look at everything being said about George Soros and all of his fellow travelers on the Internet. You know, mm -hmm. the Internet's not our resource here. Right. We paid three highly regarded research companies, individuals from research companies, to do all of this research. We've document, documented everything that we claim in our Billionaire Radical video, in the book we did, and the Follow the Money chart. George Soros is a real figure. Uh, people that know the left well says, say that he stands as a colossus among the progressive left today. He literally puts his money where his mouth is to accomplish his ends, which are anti-American and evil in, many, in most respects. And the problem that we face today is the conservatives on our side, on the side of freedom, on the side of religious liberty, on the side of a free enterprise system that's produced all the prosperity that we see today, don't do the same thing. Yeah. They, they, they contribute to things they can get a tax deduction for. They contribute to family foundations so that their children can sit on a board and draw a, an annual fee for managing a family foundation rather than putting that money to work in the kingdom of God. We are so messed up as, the, as a church and as a people That's exactly today. Right. That's exactly and right. The, the, the starting place to get back to what you're asking is, we have to do what the socialists did a hundred years ago. We have to look at all the institutions of culture and take the mind of Christ to them. Amen. That's what they did. They looked at all the institutions of culture and said, we need to start a long march through the institutions and they have successfully taken over just about all of the institutions of culture, corporate boards, news media, university yeah. education, public schools. Tell me where there's a formative influence today, apart from the church, and we have problems even in the church, that stands against any of this. Where's chi the China Soros link? I mean, I, I, I'm having trouble to, uh, believing that Soros alone is, is accomplishing this. Isn't he just a, a major kingpin uh, among myriad other nations who are, who are pushing toward this global agenda? Not at all. China has nothing on George Soros. He does not. By the way, it's important to recognize George Soros has no intention of imposing socialism on America or on the world. He's a globalist. He ran when the communists were coming to Hungary. He did not want to live under communism. George Soros wants to be the king of the hill. He wants to be the guy that runs everything. He is this megalomania personality. Listen, it's a false understanding to think that you have to have trillions of dollars to spend to change things. The history of the world is a small number of committed people 
who brought about great changes, sometimes for good and sometimes for ill. Mm-hmm. Wilberforce and his uh, Clapham Society in, in England in the late 1700s and early 1800s abolished the slave trade. They, and and pe- most people know that. They eventually abolished the ownership of slavery in the British Empire. Good but point. they also reformed child labor laws. They, they reformed all of society, a small group. You know, one of the things that drives me absolutely berserk is to hear from my Christian friends that politics is downstream from culture. That when the culture goes bad, but we get that, then, then we have politics that we deserve. It looks like what we see in the culture. That is such an ignorant stance because politics is part of the culture. And politics is influential in the culture. Mm-hmm. I've got a very good friend who says, let me tell you how the culture influenced politics. He said, uh, the TV show Will and Grace, the first two openly gay characters in, uh, on, on network television, uh, changed the way the world thinks about homosexuality. And I said to him... Biden said that. Yeah, well, I said to him, listen, you think that was a cultural moment? That was a political action in which political elites went to Hollywood and said, here's the money to do this. We want to... Politics is through, throughout everything and changes everything today. And so, but, you know, going back to your core question, Trace, what, what do parents do with this? Yeah, they've got to get better educated. They're listening to the wrong news sources. We all have this problem. And the tech giants are censoring what we hear more and more and more. Where are we going to be able to hear the truth? Well, that's a big one. But you know what? There's one thing every parent can do. And that is to teach their kids to think critically. Amen. And that means sitting down with your child when they see a news item and saying, what do you think about that? Do we have any reason to believe that's true? Or are there other reasons to believe why that might not be true? Can we trust the source that gives us this information? Shouldn't we look at other sources that might give us other points of view? So without being an expert as a parent in globalism, this progressive socialism, the state of politics in America, or all the issues that undergird all that, we need to teach our kids to suspect everything that they hear, to think critically, to say first, what are the reasons I have to believe that that's not true? To start with a, we live in a culture where you have to say, you have to start with a negative perspective. I have no reason to believe that that's true. Let me investigate it. Perhaps I'll be persuaded ultimately that it is true. So it's really about parenting skills and teaching parents how to teach their kids to think critically. And that presupposes setting aside the time to do that, to put their own smartphones down and to actually do that with them. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Dr. Frank Wright. He's the president and CEO of D. James Kennedy Ministries. And uh, his organization has put together a documentary, an expose, if you will, on George Soros and on a lot of what's going on politically and socially in our country right now that may well tear it down if we as parents and as followers of Christ don't step in and try to do something to turn that around. We'll talk more with Dr. Wright in just a moment. You're listening to Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. 
For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteen.org, click on resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Helpmytroubledteen.org. Your children are teens now. They're growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology. Issues that affect health, wellness, ability to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at Licensed to Parent, we want you to choose a wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at LicensedToParent.org slash wisephone. Listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. And we are talking today with Dr. Frank Wright, the president and CEO of D. James Kennedy Ministries, about a documentary and a, a whole batch of research that his organization has done uh, looking into George Soros and uh, a severe swing to the left that's been going on for years in our nation and what that's doing to undermine America as we know it and undermine the the Christian foundations that we've been standing on. And uh, Frank, by the way, before the break, I was, um, I, I was greatly appreciating your comments and your insights. And it, it is odd looking at politics. You were saying that politics were, you know, were tied into culture. Well, in the same way that our Christianity, our faith needs to be tied into culture, but needs to be tied into everything we do. It's not just something we do on Sunday. We may be blind if we don't recognize politics, faith, culture, um, entertainment. It is all heavily woven together, so you can't overlook one part of the puzzle, can you? No, and that's a very that's a very important insight, Rich. I think that people don't recognize that what the left does best is to come into your community, whatever it might be, let's just talk about the church, and steal your language from you. Steal it, redefine it, and use it against you. For example, some of our left-wing evangelical friends have taken the term pro-life, and they've, de- they've defined it this way. Well, isn't it pro-life to be in favor of clean water for children and, and, and uh, financial means to raise your kids? And, and so they start trying to redefine pro-life away from the threat to innocent unborn life in the womb and turn it into this broad social issue, progressive thinking kind of thing. So they, they steal our terms. You, you cannot trust the left 
uh, to use any term that you understand in the church and use it in a way that's historically true. Yeah. Well, it's Orwellian. It's using godly terms of the devil's dictionary. And, our, and that's one thing parents really need to understand is that your definition of love is going to be a little different than your kids. Definition of freedom is going to be different uh, from your kids. They think it's the freedom to do what they want to do. And it uh, was never meant to be that way. It was the freedom to do what you ought to do. But ought implies an absolute. And that's the very thing that a postmodern relativistic uh, culture is is kicking against. But you said something uh, before the exactly. You said something before the break about uh, guys like Wilberforce and Frederick Douglass here in, in the states. These guys were preaching to a crowd, uh, both America and England, that, that fundamentally uh, had a biblical worldview, or at least a you know, Christian worldview. Today, America, even in the Christian ranks, according to Barna, we're only like 2 to 3% of Christians have a true worldview. So is there something to be said about the fact that uh, we're, we're not really the same audience that those guys had? Well, it's hard to argue, I think, that in England, that the members of parliament and the business leaders and the community leaders were living out a biblical worldview when they were willing to ship slaves across the ocean and see 20% of them die in the dreaded Middle Passage. They had no respect for human life. It's not a biblical worldview to argue for slavery. However, I would say your, your premise, I think, has, has merit in that uh, England has, and all of Western civilization, has a largely biblical understanding of uh, God's, you know, God's creation and his design of mankind in his own image. And it's just that, like, just like as we see today, there are many, many nominal Christians in America today who don't anymore know Christ than they know Adam's house cat. And that's certainly true in those days as well. The point being, though, that they were swimming, Wilberforce and his group were swimming against powerful cultural forces, and all they had to go with them was the truth and the Word of God. And, uh, and God honored that. And by the way, Dr. Kennedy once commented to me and some others that it's the only society that he can think of in the history of the world where once it had turned away from its biblical roots, the established biblical roots, that it turned back to them again. And that's England in the late 1700s and early 1800s. You know, here's the thing that I think we need to remember, though, too. Back to this point about can one person make a difference? Don't we all hear that so much? Does one vote really count? Can one person really make a difference? You know, when Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to be at the right hand of the God, the Father, the Christians started doing some radical things. They started going outside the city walls at night and picking up the abandoned babies. They worked against the blood sport of gladiators fighting in the arena. It was Christians that brought an end to that. They worked against uh, Indians burning uh, their, their widows alive on their funeral pyre, the practice in India of Sati. They worked against cannibalism in, the, in Africa and the South Seas. They worked against slavery. They worked against today against human trafficking and for the sanctity of human life. These are individual Christians going against cultures of death everywhere and defeating it with the word of God. We can defeat George Soros with a level of commitment we just don't see today. Boy, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and that is a very good place for us to land the plane today and <laughs> wrap up today's program. Our guest on License to Parent has been Dr. Frank Wright, President and CEO of D. James Kennedy Ministries, which has produced 
billionaire radical George Soros and the scheme to remake America. You can stream that documentary as well as purchase the DVD at SalemNow.com. That's SalemNow.com or visit the D. James Kennedy Ministries website at DJKM.org for the book and the Follow the Money chart that Frank mentioned, DJKM.org. And you can visit our website, LicensedToParent.org. And while you're there, you can hear all of our past conversations. You can also check out some free parenting videos as well as Trace's blog, LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to join us again next time and renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.